everyone. Welcome everybody to Way of the Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, hunter of the greatest bloody matches in professional wrestling history, and a writer on the Segunda Caida blog. I am here with my fellow Segunda Caidaist, uh, Eric Ritz, <laughs> and we are talking about one of his all-time favorite matches uh, and a real, a real classic, Eddie Marlin versus Tommy Gilbert, cowboy boot match. Uh, you know, April fourth, nineteen eighty-eight, Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, man. I honestly looking over like when you were going through the list of matches you were going to write about in this book, I was expecting Marlon Gilbert to to miss the cut. I know it's your match. I know you're down with it, but it's like, you know, I could see it getting cut in favor of some other more exciting uh, match, but. I'm so happy that it made it. Once I was flipping through the books, uh, figuring out which one I wanted to talk about, once I got to that one, that one's like, oh, yeah, we need to make that a episode. Well, it's got, you've got to. I mean, you are absolutely – I mean, you've got to be the highest – the high voter on this match <laughs> in the world, right? Like more than even – Eddie Marlin or Tommy Gilbert, right? Like, like, like if they had, I'm sure if Eddie Marlin and Tommy Gilbert ranked their career, they probably have, you know, like tag matches with each other's partners in the early seventies or something like that. They're probably not thinking about this match as the high point of their wrestling careers, right? Guys who were wrestlers for a long time and then had some matches in their fifties. Don't usually think those are their best matches, right? Where did you, we did a, a, a Memphis, uh, a 1980s Memphis setback on the Death Valley Driver board many years ago. God, it had to be 12 years ago at this point. Where did you vote for this match? Vote for this match? I'm glad you brought this up because <laughs> I had this ready. I looked this up ahead of time because I did not know. I went trawling back through an old email, found my ballot from June of 2009. Okay. Right, tw- 12 years ago. <laughs> I had this match fifth. <laughs> I mean, there are some very, 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 very good matches on that Memphis Dude. set, right? Like Lawler Dundee for the hair, loser leave town, yeah. Lawler Lawler man towel, like you know. Sure. Well, now I I feel I should give my top four then. Yeah. Since we know also I give played. number six. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my number one, which was also probably the. So the Memphis set was my favorite set. Yeah, that, it was, that really was my great. favorite set. And uh, my number one is probably also the high vote match. But I had the uh, Dundee Sweet Brown Sugar two out of yes. three scaffold match. Th- that's a great match. But yes, you were certainly the only person I think you probably had the, their top dad. Much less not, number not, one. Not my number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two was uh, the 81 Lawler Funk no DQ match. Okay. Uh, number three is the uh, 85 Lawler Dundee loser leaves town. Uh, and number four is Lawler uh, Mantel from 82. Okay. What's number six? Lawler Bockwinkle okay. from 82. Okay. And then Lawler versus a couple of fatties after that. Crusher, but Crusher and uh, Bigelow. Okay. So you have the Lawler, uh, the one where Lawler gets squirted with ink in his eye, low. That that, that, that I, might have I have yeah second I, on I'm, the whole I'm set. I'm probably the low voter on the '83 loser leaves town, and I have it at eleven. Eleven. Okay, '83. '85 is the one where he gets squirted with ink. '83 is oh, the yeah. one where he uh, is the other really good one. 
Yeah. Uh, well, so, you know, sure. So, but look, uh, if you be true. Top 10. I'm, oh, and then the two below brawls in my top 10. The, the Dutch uh, Lawler barbed wire match rounds out the top 10. So that's in the book as well. Look, that's, yeah, uh, if you were to step back and take a look from afar at my top ten, there's probably one of those matches that would really seem like uh, an outlier. Yeah, and this it, one. Yeah, it's this, it one. this one. But this match is. But let's not get it twisted. This match is great. <laughs> like it's not like it's it's goofy that you had it as high as you did, sort of. But then again, <laughs> you know, whatever. Be true to yourself, right? This is a this is a great match. This is a. Uh, um, you know, yeah. we can put a little context. This is Gil, the Gilbert family had kind of been running roughshod at Memphis at this point. You know, Eddie and Dougie and Marlon and Gilbert have this history where they were tag partners in like the early seventies. Yeah. Um, and and then this is kind of like so. This has got like a long, long history. That's kind of one of the really cool things about Memphis is because these are all you know fans in the same area. Is that you yeah. could have feuds that would reference things like. You know, eight, you know, 15, 20 years earlier, and it would be something that the fans would be able to understand the history of and all that. Um, and in a way that was really neat. You know, like these guys could, Eddie Marlin could talk about their partnership and the hurt feelings he has that, you know, he thought Tommy Gilbert was like a brother and he's going to do this to him. And the fans would remember that tag team fondly and kind of, you know, be into this, this feud. Well, in watching this match and watching the buildup, I think part of what I loved so much about the Memphis set is that we had all of the studio buildup. You know, we had all the angles that led to these matches. And that kind of bit our ass later on in the set when we'd have all these great angles to set up matches that we didn't have from the arena. Yeah, the arena stuff was really spotty where you had, you know, some where you'd have a lot of it and then you'd have years where you would have nothing. Um, the 89 was incredibly frustrating because you had a lot of great looking matches that we just don't, didn't have a lot any footage of. A lot of heel Lawler arena yeah. matches that don't exist. Yeah. When Lawler had the like Miami Vice white jacket with stubble beard. Yeah. God, we don't have any of those arena matches. Yeah, there's like Dundee, Matt with Dundee as the face, Lawler as the heel. And, you know, yeah. Like, you see all the buildup and then none of the, And this almost wound up like that. If you watch the buildup to Eddie Marlin. Tommy Gilbert, the great promo and angle to set it up is on YouTube. And it was to hype an arena match that we didn't get on tape until a few years after this match happened. Like the only reason we have the Eddie Marlin, Tommy Gilbert match is because it was like a throwback match of the week kind of thing that got you know, oh, really? aired on. T- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought it was like one of their score things that they would, you know, like one of the side oh, Memphis sure. things. But that's that's what it was. The score oh. match of the week. Right. But I think those were contemporaries. I don't know. That's we're in the weeds early. And <laughs> I mean who I mean let's let's I mean honestly outside of Chris Zellner and maybe who cares how we got the match. We got it. <laughs> uh, well what's crazy is watching Eddie Marlin do the angle to set up this match. Uh as you pointed out, Eddie Marlin was a journeyman. For, for much of his career, and especially at this point when he was barely an active wrestler for Oh, I mean, he, was, he wasn't an active wrestler, right? He was the promoter, yeah. and this was like him, you know, coming out of retirement. It wasn't like he was wrestling. He would do angle-ish mm-hmm. matches like this, but he wasn't an yeah. active wrestler for a decade before this, really. I mean, he was yeah, the, the promoter the, the, of Memphis wrestling, kind of the on-air um, 
the on-air like uh, authority figure for Memphis. He was a right. great, great on-air authority figure. You know, he was you know such like this earnest uh, promo, right? Like he kind of had the feel of like a beloved member of the state house or something like that in Tennessee, right? He had this kind of folksy He's a well, draw, a well-respected principal. Yeah, yeah, or like a local <laughs> county judge or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he has. I think the earnestness and the sincerity is my favorite part of the Memphis, you know, uh, along with the punching. But yeah. the, the earnestness and sincerity is what makes somebody like Lance Russell just perfect. Yeah, to me. Lance Russell is incredible, and uh, you know, Lance, and the exas- he was also one of the great exasperated. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, reactors in, in the history of media, really. You yeah. Know, just like constantly. Like, you, you would imagine he would have made it an incredible, like, like sitcom response actor. You know, like, oh, <laughs> sure. my, what is, what is going on in this? Can you imagine it, Lance Russell just while the gang's causing a ruckus at WKRP? Right, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Eddie Marlin has this great plaintive voice. And, you know, like you said, a measured level, authoritative approach, not a guy that gets riled, just a guy that can tell it like it is. And I love the pro just when he sets this up and I look what he says something I remember about how as long as there's Gilbert's around, I won't be able to focus on my job. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's because he like resigned temporarily from his matchmaking duties. Because he wouldn't have been able to commit himself a hundred percent while all these damned Gilberts were uh, were still yeah. on causing problems. I mean, the promos in this. Are, I've well, I've got a cowboy boot too, young man. <laughs> so good. Well, it's a tale of two promos because you get this great kind of when he's cutting the promo in front of the the uh, the studio fans. You hear people kind of getting. Uh, sad and upset when like they're thinking this is the last they'll see of Eddie Marlin. You can tell so- a lot of people in the room don't expect an angle, which seems impossible at this point. Of right. <laughs> Memphis studio wrestling. Uh, <laughs> it's like if they wheeled out a cake and there's one guy that was disappointed he didn't get a slice. Right. Like, oh, they're not <laughs> passing this cake out. Everybody's smashing somebody's Some face. Some guy just went through it. Are you kidding me? It's a but, delicious but, looking cake. <laughs> when Marlon announces that he's just not going to be able to focus, you, you there's women that are going, "Oh no, Eddie, no!" <laughs> you know, because he's he's believable. He sounds like a you know a comptroller who's resigning after 35 years of dedicated service. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. when Doug Gilbert, man, Doug Gilbert. I don't know if Doug Gilbert's an actual good professional wrestler, like in the ring, but Doug Gilbert. I know. Like, Doug Gilbert is great. What are you Doug talking Gilbert about? Is, well, you cut me off before I was going <laughs> to round out that sentence by saying that Doug Gilbert basically is professional wrestling, as I like to watch it. He has that wild card uh, sensibility to him, which, I mean, Memphis viewers found out a lot later on how right, wild sure. card Doug Gilbert could be. But when he bursts into frame and starts yelling at Eddie, this guy looks like, I mean, Doug Gilbert just looks like a crazy man that will do anything to hurt you. I mean, here's the, I think that you, there's an argument you made that one of the things uh, pro wrestling is missing these days is real pieces of shit. 
You know, yeah. guys that are just absolute pieces of shit. Because those people tend to just they get they get canceled, right? They get canceled, and people don't want to work with them anymore. Like well, the yeah, guys, a no, piece well, of shit. No. I don't want to work with them anymore. It's like wrestling in the eighties. There are just loads of pieces of shit. You well, know, especially guys in Memphis. It's a specific kind of piece of shit that we're messing that we're missing out on. Like we have a lot of sex pests, but we don't have any Billy Joe Travis. But Billy Joe, Billy Joe Travis is also probably a sex pest, right? Sure, I mean, probably a terrible sex pest. Right, so I mean, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> so, it's just okay. Billy Joe Travis, you know, the internet would have canceled Billy Joe Travis well, at some point, so right? So maybe the difference is that when you see the kind of, of uh, pieces of shit that Doug Gilbert and, uh, you know, Billy Joe Travis and who knows how many other Jamie awful Dundee. Sure, of course. <laughs> but you look at those guys – and on site, if you saw that guy at a restaurant, you would know Billy Joe Travis is a piece of shit. Yeah. 100%. Like now, like, I mean, you could probably guess that Travis Banks is a piece of shit. But I don't know. He just looks like a guy with a boring white guy haircut that wears kick pads in the ring. Right. So, I mean, you don't have that kind of like real like, ah, uh, this fucking guy's going to have one more beer. And then he's going to start talking about how his wife's a cunt and then yeah. he's gonna try to stab somebody with a beer bottle you know you don't have that kind of like oh this piece of trash i'm like i'm gonna get into it he's gonna cut me off uh, uh, on the freeway and then he's gonna get out of his car and wave around a gun you sure yeah that's billy jo- billy joe travis is the guy i mean travis banks all these other pests you know chasing rants whatever these people that are real pieces of shit like the idea that you could uh die from doing too much cocaine before you go to the tanning bed. Right. That's a level of, that's a level of piece of shit. I mean, my, yeah. f- my favorite, uh, um, you know, it was, uh, the, uh, the JB Dundee shoot interview where he just spent tons of the entire time talking about, uh, you know, drugs and then laughing at Billy Joe Travis dying. And then he starts <laughs> going, you know, and man, Brian Christopher, man, that guy, Guy's really got some drug problems. It's really sad. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, it's like that serious tone in his voice about he's worried about. I'm really worried about Brian Christopher. It's like, what is Brian Christopher up to? That you're worried? You like cackled with glee about Billy Joe Travis ODing like five minutes ago. Yeah. You spent 45 minutes talking about all the drugs you're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what could Brian Christopher have been doing? There's so many other pieces of shit in Memphis that that are like you know there was some awful awful things that went went on behind closed doors with Ronnie P. Gossett. <laughs> you know these D- pe- dirty roads. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, it's probably. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just. Ugh. I mean, but you look at these people, and it reads as like, oh yeah, you can tell these guys are scum fucks. These guys are these guys are sickos. And so Eddie Marlin though has kind of that opposite charisma for me. Where Eddie Marlin, like, I would be shocked if that guy skipped Sunday school. Right. Like that's what it's the. I don't. And, and, and you know what? If if Eddie Marlin's the biggest piece of shit of all of them, nobody tell him. Don't 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 like chat in with that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> don't add him at Twitter about how well, actually Eddie Marlin. <laughs> I'm assuming he's passed. Yeah, sure. I mean, but uh, <laughs> I would think he probably has. Um, um, but yes, uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, there's people live a really long life. Like sometimes, every once in a while, you'll see that somebody's dead. You're like, that guy's still alive, or that guy was still alive three weeks ago. Um, but yeah, no, I'm sh- uh, but yeah, so Eddie Marlin feels like the guy who 
you know, you talk to if things with your house are getting real bad. Sure. Like, oh, my parents are fighting and my dad's drinking. And imagine mom's just like, you know, having Eddie Gilbert sitting at his sitting at his dining room table. You know, just talking about your problems with the guy. Eddie Marlin, not Eddie Gilbert. Eddie Marlin, no, <laughs> Eddie Gilbert. Want to tell bad Eddie Gilbert guy to anything. talk about your problems. No. <laughs> but Eddie Marlin, yeah, he feels like a guy, you know, like I I got to talk to him about, you know, this is, it's really hard on me, the pressure he's putting on me. I don't really even want to play football. My dad is just, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll sit here and pray on it, son, and I'll have a talk with your pa. I've known him a long time. Yeah, just like a real, like a real genuinely beloved figure i mean again we again who knows if this is true but that's certainly who we portrayed it i mean i don't really know if there's is there is it kind of a one of one character i can't really think of any other wrestling a uh, person in wrestling history who uh who did that kind of eddie marlin thing right i mean not specifically to this level of I mean, I love the whole getup. I love him coming out in his short sleeve dress shirts with with neckties. You know, Re- that's what really made me think of him as a principal. Or he's like uh, as dedicated to his job as as Hank Hill is to selling propane. Right, sure. Like Eddie Gilbert is to like. No, part of the matchmaker means you gotta wear a tie, and I don't like these long sleeve shirts, so I'm gonna gonna keep them short, but I'm gonna keep it professional. It's Eddie Marlin, man. You cannot confuse those two. They are not the same person. I'm sorry. It's Tommy Eddie Gilbert Gil- and Eddie Tommy Marlin. Gilbert, and Eddie, Eddie Gilbert, Marlin. a completely different bag of chips altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Just a big old part of the other big old mess of hair that, that's getting in up under Eddie Marlin's skin, that Gilbert family. And Eddie Marlin, he's one of those great guys. Who's the big referee in, uh, is it Jesse Barr up in uh, Portland? Yeah. He's the guy that gives me similar, but but more of a Pacific Northwest feel to an right. Eddie Marlin. Yeah, I can see that. But you know, like Bill Watts is a completely different kind of thing, even though they played very similar roles. Yeah, well, Bill Watts had you know, it was an ass kicker. Well, Eddie Marlin comes in here with the sure. cowboy boot, and yeah, he, I mean, he's kicking ass too. I mean, <laughs> so the other thing about this match is that you know, as an actual match, the the stipulations are that the way you win this match is getting both cowboy boots off, which is kind of a stupid stipulation. It's a dumb stipulation, but Lance Russell, God bless him, because it was set up by uh, Tommy Gilbert coming out, taking his own cowboy boot off and just smashing Marlon in the face. Do you love that bump that Marlon takes across Lance Russell's table? Yeah, so good. God, it's so good. It's felt This felt also way more exciting in 2009, I got to admit, because this match turns into two 57-year-olds beating the shit out of each other. And then in the last decade, we've gotten like 20 Black Terry matches of, of like a 60-year-old man. 60? That Black, Dude, Terry, Black Terry is 69 years yeah. old. 69. Well, we've got a full decade of, of, right. of Black Terry. And Sting is now five years older than either than Eddie Marlin or Tommy Gilbert. He's right. doing planches to the floor. Yeah, it's true. So, got some, so, uh, some, gotten some great. Maybe Negro Navarro, too, right? We've gotten some solid Gallego. There's some really great yeah. old man. Uh, Luke, Luke is really skewing all the, the, the perfectly good old men. But this is... Uh, Lance Russell's the kind of guy that we saw put over so many great angles uh, through the whole decade. And I love how he hits every note when Eddie Marlin gets knocked over the table. 
Russell grabs and saves Eddie Marlin's glasses, which I really love while he's going like, come on, Tommy, come on now. And he's and he's folding up Eddie Marlin's glasses and talking about <laughs> we don't need this here. Come on. And God, I if I was there in the studio, this is just this match. Why I had it so stupidly high. I mean, this is pro wrestling right here. I, I am a sucker for an old man punch out. Yeah. It's my it's like maybe my favorite non fat guy kind of wrestling match. Yeah, you know, Tom Eddie Marlins, you know, enjoyed a a a, a hearty dinner or two. He had a good and boy. Tommy Gilbert too, on. right? I mean, these aren't skinny men either. No, of them. and I love <laughs> God. How embarrassing! You know, I'm really happy. I was really scared when Tully Blanchard was announced as coming back because I was scared that Tully Blanchard was going to wrestle in a T-shirt. You know, and here I love how Eddie Gilbert, Eddie, Eddie Marlin, Tommy Gilbert are just, man, Marlin's putting on his old tights. You know how long it must have been before he put on those emerald green tights. <laughs> yeah, getting, getting <laughs> him over his belly. Dude, what, and what's great, uh, I, I hate guys that adjust their gear too much. I'm sick of dudes like Rhett Titus who have to adjust their knee pads every time they take a bump. I hate guys like that. I hated when Samoa Joe would constantly pull his shorts up over his tummy. I hated it. Once that belly of Eddie Marlins pops out of his green tights, it is out. <laughs> he is not adjusting that gear. That belly is out, and it is staying out. But Lance Russell, God bless the dude, he uh, really, really tries to point out the different psychological angles that a cowboy boot match can take. And I liked him pointing out that technically you could take off your own boot, but once you take it off, you can't put it back on. <laughs> you talk about stupid stipulations. I love him adding in the uh, strategy of, well, you could just start with your boot off and just beat your opponent right there. But, but then you're one just, boot down. You're and one it, boot down. <laughs> right. So it's like, when do you pull the goalie? When do you take off your one boot? And yeah. risk be a doubt about, <laughs> you know, but that's that's part of great match psychology. I always love I remember, man, I was pretty young. But when I saw the uh, the Beach Blast 92 match where where uh, in the Iron Man match where Rick Rude gives up a fall by hitting a top rope knee drop. But then he immediately gets a pinfall back because he hit a top rope knee drop right sure and i love that idea of they're playing that that same psychology except it's uh it's <laughs> tommy marlin pulling off his yeah. stink tommy gilbert pulling off his stinky boot <laughs> <laughs> it's in the angle itself where before i had seen this match these guys tommy gilbert and and marlin didn't necessarily even look like wrestlers in fact uh, Tommy Gilbert looked like he was having a hard time just getting his cowboy boot back on <laughs> after beating Eddie Marlin with it. Like he's holding on to the ropes to stabilize himself as he gets his boot on. Like, well, how is this going to be any good? Well, Gilbert was a guy who was pretty continuously wrestling. Although sure, he, was he was a referee a too, but I mean, he would he would always come into Memphis under uh, masks and stuff like that. I'm not uh, sure if you remember this, but you and I are responsible for nominating the match that finished dead last on the Memphis uh, 80s ballot. Was that, was that a Nightmare Freddy? 
It was one of our two Nightmare Freddy ones. We watched it on a handheld that it was the infamous handheld that was filmed by Rob Feinstein. Oh, right. Where he tries to, in a in a weird turn of events, get a kid to leave him alone (laughs) during a show. And then we get the huge reveal that the little kid is alone because his mom is backstage meeting the wrestlers. Oh, my God. And you hear you hear almost a a, a change in t- like Feinstein suddenly gets a sympathetic tone <laughs> to this kid. But this was on that that the uh, the Freddy Rob, match. Rob Feinstein's a guy who has a lot of experience, uh, you know, being a shoulder to cry on for a young boy who's. <laughs> yes, that kid just immediately knew the guy to talk. But no, uh, the very two bottom Memphis matches were both of the Nightmare Freddy matches that you and I nominated. Philistines. Yeah, those were the (laughs) Buddy Landell and Freddy was was the second to last. And then the glorious six man. And I'm I will back this match. I did not have it super high, but I had it in the 70s, which is also very stupid. But the one that we got on was Freddy, Tommy Gilbert, Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Lawler. You just have Lawler and Jeff Jarrett teaming with, uh, you know, a burned child molester as the babyface team versus Dutch Mantel, Master of Pain, which was the Undertaker, right? Master of Pain, I think, was and Ronnie P. Gossett. I think that is the only Ronnie P. Gossett match on the set, and that's why we argued for it. Yeah, Ronnie P. Gossett had a devastating splash. Uh, it was actually interesting. Burning a child molester is how this match got set up, right? Sure. That's how it happened. <laughs> this yeah, match was actually awesome. set up with Eddie Gilbert throwing fire in the face of Jerry Lawler. Turning if you throw enough a... fireballs in Memphis, you're bound <laughs> to burn a couple of child molesters. And uh, the Gilberts did it. The Gilberts nailed it. I may have to edit that out because I'm still hoping I can get Jerry Lawler on my yeah. podcast and maybe... <laughs> <laughs> he's probably not gonna listen it's nothing that dougie's ever said on memphis television yeah, that's a good point <laughs> but i love this match man <laughs> i love this match so much i don't know if I, I can't say that i would have it as my number five match that I'm not a stunt voter, though, so no, I know I, mean, look, I look, sincerely you, no, you, put it there. Yeah, you know, stand by, stand by your things. You don't. There's no, there's no reason to revisit that opinion. I don't think but, this match is aged poorly. No, if if anything, it's as good or better than I remember it. I probably <laughs> haven't watched it in five or six God, that, years. The, the post match too. That oh, like yeah. that like that top rope, dude. Oh my god. Can you imagine jumping off your couch and landing on off even on your legs and not just blowing out both your knees? No, I, no. I'm I mean I'm not as old as Tommy Gilbert was no, at this point. Neither but of I'm, us but I'm getting we're going to do, we're gonna have to there. revisit this match when both of us are like 57. Yeah, I mean I'm not I'm not young. <laughs> but I mean I played uh I played uh 2 hours of pickup basketball today and I had a Real trouble walking down the stairs to get down here to shoot this podcast. I was like holding on to the banister. <laughs> and here's Tommy Gilbert, one boot off, and that's a thick heel boot. He jumps from the top rope into a stomp on on uh, Eddie Marlin with one uneven foot. 
I mean, so we pre- he, gets, he gets some real distance too. Oh, he, I mean, that's not he's, he's that's like almost that's like Rob Van Dam's uh, frog splash <laughs> level distance that Tommy Gilbert. I mean, uh, the Tommy Gilbert gets off the top rope with that. Yeah, stop man. right to Eddie Marlin is on his hands and knees, so he gets it right in the the, the kidneys. Too. Eddie Eddie, oh, Eddie Marlin got. I bet I wouldn't be shocked if Eddie Marlin pissed blood after this match, man. But the crazy thing is, Tommy Gilbert's shot leaping distance stomp to the kidneys looked perfectly worked. Like Eddie Marlin might not have even felt a thing. He probably just heard Gilbert land. Yeah, and I have seen. I mean, I've spent my life avoiding uh, Mickey Knuckles breaking her leg. Triple A is the kind of sickos that show Gronda breaking his leg, you know, on a million different replays from a million different angles. I've never actually watched Sid breaking his leg. I've, I've, I've avoided that. And sure. so you see a guy jump off the ropes and basically land on one foot. A 57-year-old man jumping off, landing on his bare stocking feet to do a boot. Sh- I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got the match on on my thing. I'm, I'm watching this spot over and over again. Yeah, I, it is absolutely. I mean, honestly, it's one of the greatest high spots in the history of professional <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. When you put all, when you put it all together. Like when you put it all together, yeah, Vikingo, Vikingo will run the ropes and do it at four fifty. <laughs> sure. I Not mean, with it's, one shoe on and one sock on, and he's fifty six. This is pretty much feeling like I'm the only one who ranked this match properly. Maybe. I, I mean, I'm I, watching it again. I mean, that's the thing. It's this is an hour podcast. This is an eight minute match. I watch. I've watched it through. And we've been talking about half an hour. I've already watched it like five times. <laughs> yeah. It's great, right? It's so good. It keeps getting. I better just rewound it again. I'm like, all right, let's watch it again. I, you know, both. You know, and, and, you know, there's a lot of blood in this too. I mean, it's an appropriate match for the buck. Um, I think when I hit 57, I'm optimistic that I will be in better physical looking shape than both of these guys. But I'm not optimistic that my hair is even going to be at Tommy Gilbert levels by the time I'm 57. Me neither. The Eddie Gilbert, Eddie Marlin hair, that's a distant memory at this point. Eddie Eddie Marlin has great hair. He has great authority hair. I think that's a big part of it for me. You need that Eddie Marlin, Jesse Barr, big, nice head of hair. Maybe yeah. it's also the very, very tight striped polo shirts that they both wore. Maybe yeah. that's also part of the vibe. But this match is more than just punches. You and I talked a year ago about all the punches in Dick Murdoch, Carl Cox. Right. This is more than just punches. I love how Eddie Gilbert constantly kneels or Eddie goddamn Eddie Marlin is constantly kneeling on Tommy Gilbert's hamstrings to pull <laughs> off his boots <laughs> like he is kneeling into those knee pits just to grab these boots off him and it is funny to watch two uh, adult men who were probably grandparents at this point kind of lay on their back like turtles to prevent another man from taking your shoes off it's like such, it's such a <laughs> Tommy Gilbert kind of looks like uh, he looks like American Carisu. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> they got the same hair. He's not that stiff. Mustache. He's stiff in this match. It's not like Carisu. He's stiff, but he's not ever uh, ever knocked a man out cold in a ring like Carisu. 
Carissa would be really great now. Like, how great would, like, a Carissa Kendo Nagasaki cowboy boot match been? Have been? The cowboy boot is an unexplored match gimmick. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure this is the only cowboy boot match I saw. Uh, I know in the Sergeant Slaughter Pat Patterson match, Sarge, like, loads up his uh, his boot. Yeah, it's the Sheik one, too. The Sheik, that's what I'm thinking. The Sheik, the Sheik has got that. That's got that the, lot of loading boot. boots and stuff, but doesn't have the same stipulations. No, not nobody had to remove the Iron Sheik's boots. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> to get in there. I really like Eddie Gilbert or Eddie Marlin's straight boots. I like his straight black boots. That's a classy pair of boots. Yeah, that's a pair of dress boots that he wears <laughs> to the ring. Right. It, well, Tommy you, you could wear those. You could wear those boots to church. Oh man, those, those slick black. You can tell he got them polished too. Yeah. I'm almost wondering if they didn't they didn't let uh, Gilbert take off Eddie's boots because Eddie's like these are my nice boots. I can't ha- can't have these wrecked in an angle. <laughs> so, you know, as Tommy's the one getting his boots yanked and, and used as the weapon. Uh, but more than just the punches, man, these guys lean into everything and take bumps that I am not expecting them to take. Gilbert does a bunch of really great stuff like falling into guardrails and does a lot of close close up shows for the front row fans stuff that doesn't get picked up on the camera but you can tell he's making dorky faces just because you can see the reactions of the front row fans but all just eddie marlin throws so many kicks to tommy gilbert's stomach and i love the dismissive just a just a man this feels like two dudes fighting it you know like a small town parade Right. Two, two guys from rival construction companies that are just sick of the other shit, finally. And so kids are throwing candy from parade floats while Eddie Marlin just puts the heel of his boot to Tommy Gilbert's forehead. <laughs> it's beautiful. We really do have a type when we do these things together, don't we? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I looked through a dozen. I had a list of like a dozen matches, and this is the one that I was like, I know it's going to be this one. Yeah, you were like, I'm going to do one of these other ones. I was like, no, we're doing Eddie Marlon, Tommy Gilbert. Of course we're doing Eddie Marlon, Tommy Gilbert. When you eventually get Doug Gilbert on the podcast, it's going to be really weird to have him not talk about this match. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have, to, we'll have to do Tom, another one. Tommy Gilbert is a really great woozy seller. Uh, I actually don't love a lot of old man Terry Funk woozy selling for a guy who. Oh, I do. Huh? I do. I love his to a degree, but I love Tommy Gilbert's woozy old man selling even more. It's less silly and more. This man is actually losing blood and he's old. But the, the the bump that he takes into the guardrail when when he's trying to pick uh, Eddie's boot off, and Eddie just boots him right off, and oh man, he does like a flying shoulder tackle straight to a guardrail. It's beauty. It's beauty. Yeah. So I'm looking up Eddie Marlin's wrestling career here on Cage Match. Are you looking for other cowboy boot matches? Yeah, I didn't see any. Um, but <laughs> well, he, on Cage Match, I looked earlier. This wasn't even listed as a. As a right. cowboy boot match, right? So that may be why. Um, mm. But uh, so they had this was part of like a he had a couple of there's a you know a handful of matches against Tommy Gilbert. This was mm-hmm. the blow off, but they wrestled a couple times before that. Um, 
And then he, he hadn't really wrestled in three years. Um, he was part of like a he, he wrestled some in eighty five and then some in eighty couple matches in eighty four. God, I would uh, love to see that. I would love to see the Eddie Gil, Eddie Marlin, Bill Dundee eighty five. Yes, but God, uh, man, give me that. But <laughs> I I'm looking at the later career. I mean, I'm assuming you did this too. Yeah, but there's a tag in ninety one with Eddie and Jeff against Doug and Tommy. Mm. In the mid in Mid South Coliseum, that's got to be really great. Yeah, uh, Eddie um, and Jarrett, Eddie and Jeff Jarrett. So Eddie, and I think Jeff Jarrett is his son-in-law, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I, then, I remember I wanted one. There was a real dumb sound. There's a bunch of good dumb ones that I wanted to see Eddie Gilbert. I forget when it was, but Eddie there was Mar- one where Eddie, Eddie Marlin. Marlin, Eddie Marlin, and man, why did I choose? <laughs> I just I've been I've been Have watching been drinking Gilbert matches too. <laughs> This is bad. Uh, there was Eddie Marlin and Dutch Mantel under a mask versus Ronnie P. Gossett and The Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see Eddie, Eddie so, and uh, so Dutch Mantel is, versus The Undertaker and Ronnie Gossett. So this has to be wrong. But they do list the super invader uh, defeating somebody named Carl Robertson, Eddie Marlin. In a two-on-one handicap match on a WCW Worldwide taping in 1992. Yeah, I that's got to be wrong, right? Like, there's no way that Eddie Gilbert was doing uh, was doing enhancement jobs on Worldwide in 1992. I mean, with how many names WCW Chirons get wrong, there's a chance that that's Carl Fergie and and some (laughs) other guy. I don't know who Carl Robertson is, but yeah, I saw that earlier too. Eddie Marlin working 1992 WCW. Like, why would Eddie Marlin drive to Florida? <laughs> right, that's got to be wrong. Every other match of Eddie Marlin's for the previous 20 years was in Memphis and maybe occasionally Arkansas. <laughs> no, it's like Memphis and, and Knoxville. Yeah, <laughs> like, <you're> gonna... <laughs> not 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 St. Petersburg. Louisville. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, well, you're happens. writing a book on WCW. Yeah, uh, and I think that I mean if if the thing that the I mean this is a solvable mystery, right? <laughs> I mean we have to you have to be we have to dig certainly find the ninety two worldwide. Yeah, we have to find this episode worldwide is is uh, is listed so poorly online, but I am I'm just very skeptical that Eddie Marlin was working Hercules Hernandez in the early nineties WCW. <laughs> Like, I, like I, supposedly too. the Southern Posse was on that same card. Are you really just not having Hercules run over the Southern Posse? You're having Eddie Marlin drive it? The only thing, the only thing I just thought of is if there is somehow this Carl Robertson is, like, related to Eddie Marlin. And they let Eddie Marlin drive his, his son or son-in-law or somebody uh, down to Florida to get him a tryout. Against. Okay, so I'm looking up on a different website the results, and the results on the WWF old school 1992 results list this as Super Inventor versus Carl Robertson and Eddie Martin. Oh, so that's from, that's that's what it is, right? 
I mean, it didn't look right on paper. No. <laughs> I don't know who Eddie Martin is, but I'm sure he's no goddamn Eddie Marlin. <laughs> no, for, no, certainly <laughs> not. So I was like, this has got to be a solvable goddamn... <laughs> Well, that's a drag. Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> that's too bad. Also, we just talked about it for five minutes on this podcast. It turned out yeah. not to be true. But, uh, but... We'll have to talk about like a Jackie Fargo, Ronnie P. Gossett boxing match to make up for it. Yeah. There is some worldwide on on YouTube. <laughs> not any of Eddie Marlin's appearances in 90s Marlin's WCW, though. Okay. I... I am just constantly surprised by this match. And I know I got a soft spot for, for old guys, but it's just I cannot resist the built-in vulnerability of old guys wrestling a match. It's kind of the same thing I thought for a while when Brian Danielson came back uh, a couple of years ago, and it felt like any second the dude could just be turned into a vegetable. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know if that was real, but that's what my brain was thinking. Like, this guy probably missed four years with a neck injury for a good reason. And when he finally found a doctor to okay him, it's like, well, sure, I'm glad you got that. But I kept for at least a year waiting for Danielson to just not get up after a bump. And old guys in a match immediately tap that vein for me. I'm sure. immediately concerned about these guys. It's it's why my favorite 80s all Japan match is that is that uh, 89 Giant Baba Russia Kimura tag when Tenaru just takes Baba out right at the beginning with a tope and then Hansen and Tenaru just destroy Kimura and Baba. Yeah, no. I, I mean, love it, man. And it's 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 why I think you've you've you're right there with me. I've fallen so much in love with end of career Andre the Giant over the last decade, which has been written off for so long. And even now on YouTube, the only comments you see are just how sad it is watching Andre. Andre the Giant has become my flat-out favorite wrestler. Right. <laughs> and a lot of it is watching how great of an actor he is in these near, you know, end-of-career 90s matches and that vulnerability. This man who was unstoppable is now so vulnerable. You know, uh, 2000 All Japan Stan Hansen, when you finally didn't get to see Stan Hansen as the absolute wrecking ball, when he was finally an old guy. It's it just it just it hits me. It hits me more than almost any kind of pro wrestling. Yeah, this is these two guys are both there, right? They're both in that sort of. Yeah. Yeah, these these guys are both right there. I mean, again, 57 somehow seems younger in pro wrestling now than it did when I first became aware of this match. You know, it's funny when uh, so many guys were getting rid of in the early 90s WWF because they turned 40. And now everybody in WWF is just ancient. Yeah, so old. <laughs> They're all so old. And... Uh, We've gotten some pretty high-end old guy performances, though. It's pretty pretty undeniable how much fun Sting has been in 2021. I was never even a huge Sting guy. This is like amongst the most I've ever enjoyed Sting is is 62-year-old Sting. Yeah. And but then, of course, I, Black Terry's still doing his, his thing. and Sure. 
you know, Mike Jackson is working. Uh, oh, action bar- Mike Jackson, dude. Kind of, I think he worked a barbed wire match this year. We should, we should review that. Oh, that feels like something that we need to document. Yeah. But these guys feel like felt like 50-year-old men, you know, when 50 was, was hard. Sure, right. These guys are, I mean, I don't know how healthy a life uh, Sting lived. I think he's the guy who lived a hard life, too. Sting? Yeah. Guy was a, guy was a, I mean, I think at some point he found Jesus. But I think before that, he was somebody who was known to have, to, you know, be, be, you know, enjoy substances. (laughs) I actually, for some reason, I've. I've always thought Sting is a straight and narrow guy. <laughs> no, I think there. I think that was. That he, Are you sure that you just didn't see that episode of Walker Texas Ranger where he played a meth dealer? I'm pretty sure Sting uh, is is somebody who who had to get his life together. Interesting. Before he became real estate Steve, he was uh, he had some tr- some troubles. I mean, yeah, I actually I, didn't. I had no. Idea. I'm pretty sure he did. I I managed to know a lot of inside wrestling while also knowing nothing at all. Yeah, It's a fine line that I walk of being fully immersed in pro wrestling while also completely in my own bubble. Right. Yes, I know. It's weird. (laughs) Um, It's weird. I've had conversations with you before. I'm like, what are you talking? You don't, you're not conscious of that. This, whatever this fact is, you're like, no, I have no idea. (laughs) <laughs> like, but you you watch so much wrestling. And I know. Yeah, it's a problem. Or or it isn't, right? I mean, I don't know if it's a problem. Certain stuff I just tune out. I don't care. That's fine. So I managed to be fully immersed while just not caring. As long I just want to see stuff like this. I want to find stuff like this. I want to find the best Iron Mike Sharp match, man. I want to find the best 57-year-old match. But I don't know what Eddie Marlin wrestles like when he's in shape like I've, I've never seen you no know, we don't have any of his tags the 70s none of it right yeah it, for all I know it's like when Toro Bill showed up for 12 matches in early 2011 you're like who's this old fat guy who's amazing <laughs> what 1990s Toro Bill do we do, do we hmm. need and Eddie Eddie Marlin feels like he has that Andre understanding of he knew exactly how to move his body for maximum effectiveness. So, you know, he has no physique to speak of, but when Tommy Gilbert is on his knees and Eddie Marlin swings that boot down across his temple, you couldn't have done it any better. No. That spot could not have been done better. No. And all of that, just that body body language of Tommy Gilbert backing up on his knees while, while Eddie walks forward, just... Eddie Marlin shaking his fist out alone. One of the all-time oh, great, great yeah, incredible shakeout. fist shakes. I wanted to make sure we talked about that too. That is a tremendous <laughs> fish shake. Yes. It's really oh man, I really think I I might have popped my goddamn knuckle on this guy's <laughs> yeah. head. He it is one of the biggest, most believable. Like, uh have you ever broken your hand punching a man? You boxed. I never broke my hand, no. Um, have you ever the the thing that I can compare it to since I have also never broken my hand punching a man when uh, swinging a baseball bat if you get if you foul off a ball too close to your hand sometimes that aluminum bat will reverberate and right, you just sure. shake your hand out it hurts man and the, when Eddie Marlin 
backs up Tommy Gilbert and punches him right down across the nose. That look on his face, like you said, like I broke a knuckle. He shook that hand out. It was hanging to his side. Truly great fist shakeout, and he has a few of them. Yeah. There's these little notes in pro wrestling, these little spots that I really love uh, that I'm sure you agree with most of them, too. That's probably why we found each other. But when a guy, you know, locks in a side headlock and the other guy tries to push him off in the ropes and the guy holds on to the side headlock, that's a thing I'm always going to enjoy in a match. Yeah, Somebody's absolutely. Somebody's shaking out their fist after hitting a good punch, especially when the when the stars align and it's the perfect punch. You know, you, even if you shook it out on a shitty looking punch, it, it's still good. But when it's the perfect punch, there's just hardly any any better pro wrestling spots than that for me. Yeah, where he really just gets it in there. I mean, it, I, you know, there's not a lot of things things that happen in this match. Right, this doesn't have sure. a lot of stuff. I mean, no, it's funny that we're talking about the smash for so long. It's the a, big, like you said, you the know, nine minute spot in the match. Well, I'm trying to fill the hour. The <laughs> biggest... <laughs> it's a nine minute match, but you know we're talking about 48 minutes already. That's fine. We might still go another 15, 20 easy. It's, uh, but you know, but I, I don't know if there's a a point in that match where you think, okay, this was they they missed the mark here. Or this could have been done better. Or this was a little off. And the fact that these are two guys who are basically semi-retired professional wrestlers in their 50s. And yeah. every single thing was executed perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, like you can, you, I mean, I said, I just watched this match ten times. I don't think there's a single moment where I think, yeah, it was yeah, 80%. Right? And there's yeah. you could have done this, you could have done that. I mean, and, and that's, that, you know, that's pretty rare. I mean, again, it's they're weird. not trying that many complicated things outside of the one of the five greatest hot spots of professional wrestling history, which happens after the match, <laughs> which is after the match. But outside of that, you know. But I mean, there's some there's some pretty there's some pretty nasty bumps in this. Oh well, geez, I've never seen anything as cool. Maybe in a match this year, and there's been some great stuff of Eddie Marlin trying to fight Gilbert's boot off. With his back to him, and Gilbert just starts wailing away at Eddie Marlin's kidney. Yeah, that's disgusting. Those look like those look like real sicko shots, and it really puts extra emphasis on that crazy high spot afterwards because he aims it right at the exact same kidney. Yeah, I mean, and probably. I mean, I don't know. I would imagine Eddie Marlin's a guy who would occasionally like a beer too. You know, those are par- those are pristine kidneys. <laughs> There's some wear on 57-year-old Eddie Marlin kidneys. Yeah, you would think, right? You know, it's kind of amazing their bodies are as good as they are. If I was a wrestler and then was not actively wrestling for a decade, I don't think my body would look as good as, as Eddie Marlin's here. So even especially considering, I assume he does enjoy himself a beer now and again. But some of the... When you say there's not a lot of high spots, it's true. It's a lot of stomach kicks, and it's a lot of yanking boots while throwing punches. But just something like a nice stomach kick is almost enough to get me by these days because there is like about a dozen people in modern pro wrestling that know how to throw a kick to the stomach. 
Yeah. (laughs) That is definitely something that people just go into their spots now. They don't set anything up by by stopping a man with a boot to the stomach. That's just a forgotten thing. It still happens. They just might as well forget them. Everybody in AEW, almost everybody, every flyer in AEW has the ugliest looking non-contact stomach kick. There's yeah. also hardly anybody under the age of 45 in that promotion that knows how to throw a punch. Eddie Kingston's still under 45. Okay, under 40. Eddie Kingston Nobody. may still be under 40. Maybe. I, he uh, seems like a 40. I'm putting, <laughs> I'm putting him as my peer. Okay. I'm trying <laughs> but, to say, he's 40. There you go. Okay. Under 40. And it's not like they're even just doing punches and they look bad. The punch has just been mostly eliminated from from a lot of modern wrestling. Yeah, Punk's forty three. I'm trying to think if there's an under forty guy in. Well, no. both the I think the, the what's his name that FTR. What those guys are under forty, right? Yeah, those guys are probably under forty. Uh, one of the guys in two point throws uh, throws a good right hand. Yeah, Cash Wheeler's got a nice right hand. He's thirty four. Sure, there you go. Okay, there's still some hope. I so think the guys Dan- I think doing- Daniel Garcia's got nice punches. Really? I can't actually... I'm, I'm not picturing Maybe Garcia's not. Punch. Maybe he's got nice elbows. Punch. Yeah. Well, there's Maybe a lot of elbows. There's a lot of forearms, a lot of elbows, but there's not a lot of guys actually trying to throw a worked punch. It's kind of really impossible to stop noticing the second you start noticing. Right. And so when you're saying, yeah, they're, they're kind of... Pun- they're just punching, they're just kicking, and they're two grown men trying to... It's like a guy who has a, a shoes off in the house policy and his uncle's being a real ass hole about taking his shoes off in the foyer it's <laughs> you're just fighting with your uncle to pull his boot off yeah. everybody else took their boots off hank and uh it seems silly on paper and like you said i love every second of it yeah i mean i don't know it's a perfect wrestling match it's <laughs> perfect me, yeah. it's, it's fucking perfect right it is yeah. perfect the top five 80s Memphis match. Yeah, sure. Right, up, way above Lawler, uh, Austin on the cage where Clark said shaved. Yeah, I gotta find where I put that cage match. That's true. Yeah, that should be way. <laughs> so I'll find somebody else to do that one. Uh, that's in the teens. I yeah. have that at 14. Okay, sure. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no. Like I said, watching this 10 times in a row just now, I, I mean, like I said, <laughs> look, you, I mean, I think. <laughs> We're both minimalists at heart, right? When it comes to wrestling fan, I, I think so. You're more of a minimalist even than me, right? Like so, it's 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 you and you know this is like I said, it's for a minimalist match. This is as good as at anything ever for something that's simple and perfectly executed and pulls off what it needs to pull off in eight minutes and. Yeah, if I, I don't know what more I could possibly ask out of this match. I Going into this, the first time I saw it, I had not really seen much Tommy Gilbert and zero Eddie Marlin. So I had nothing to go on with either of these two. The only Tommy Gilbert I had seen is whatever uh, I happened to watch while uh, nominating stuff for Memphis and uh, whatever made the set. That was really my only experience with either of these two guys. And it was just like love at first sight. And it helps to have such a great angle to set it up. I think that's why I connected so well with Memphis. When I think of wrestling now, there's not a lot of angles that I get really hot for in modern wrestling. 
But in eight minutes, once a old man in a in a short sleeve dress shirt and tie gets punched over a <laughs> over Lance Russell's announce, gets his glasses knocked off. You know how much that that's a daily fear of mine is getting my glasses knocked off. I'd be helpless. And here's yeah. Eddie, and here's Lance Russell having to save his boy Eddie Marlin's glasses. Guy hasn't worked a match since the mid '80s, and here it is, '88. It's yeah. this setup is incredible. It's simple. You get Doug Gilbert getting in Eddie Marlin's face. Doug Gilbert looks like the wor- like the worst high school student, just mouthing off it at the shop teacher. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at you know I did a little like a quick uh, search uh, on YouTube. And it looks like we've got some clips of Eddie Marlin in the 70s. But it doesn't okay. look like we have any full matches. I might have to at least do a, maybe one post kind of collecting the, yeah. the I mean, Marlin. Eight, eight minutes there. of Yamamoto Eddie Marlin against Big jo- Bad John Johnny Gray from 74. Well, I don't know either of the former two guys, so I am in. Yeah, I got it. we got Jerry Lawler. We have... Um, Five minutes of Jerry Lawler, Sam Bass, Lou Fez versus Eddie Marlin, Tommy Gilbert, Rick Gibson from 74. That's on YouTube. That sounds good. We got a Lawler complete and accurate. Of course I need to get that on there. Uh, five minutes of, uh, I mean, probably five minutes of a 20-minute match. So yeah. Four minutes of the interns against Bill Dundee and Eddie Marlin from the 70s. Interns could be anybody. Uh, could be. Uh, and then a fair amount of like angles and stuff like that. I got, um, a, I got a, a fish for a match that I love. Dundee is seven minutes of Dundee George <gasps> Barnes versus Yamamoto and Marland. Also from 74, 75? Yeah, 75. Okay. This feels like it needs to be documented then. Sure. I might start a draft for this. I might okay. get, I might get some more Marlin out on the, the timeline. Yeah, seems, seems, seems accurate, right? Yeah, man, uh, this was the best excuse to rewatch this match. It's been... <laughs> It's one of those ones that I, you know, uh, the more and more you and I write, uh, it's harder and harder to make time for for wrestling that I'm not writing about. Sure. You know, our our time is limited, our free time, and I tend to want to watch stuff that that's going to inspire me to write. And it does take away a little bit when uh, you don't just feel like you can afford the time to to go back and watch something like this. So I've been tinkering around with writing up a long piece on it, but then some guy wrote a book about the match, and so I don't feel like that's necessary. So I've been looking for an excuse to relive this uh, this match. This uh, this is one of the matches that really, really uh, just made me so interested in the Death Valley Driver 80s set. I know that sounds weird uh, for this match to be the one, but this really this was really the 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 light that went off that I'm going to see a bunch of stuff between guys that I've never watched before and one of these matches with guys that I've never watched could wind up being my favorite match that's the kind of ma- that's how magic uh, this match uh, was to me I, I we're getting to the point where we're going on digressions but looking up Eddie Marlin on YouTube there apparently was an angle where a Burt Prentice accused Eddie Marlin of having an affair with Miss Texas. There was a, like, Jacqueline? Yeah. Oh, man. So this must have been early, like, 92, 93? Yeah, something like that, 92, 93, I think. Oh, man. That's a, okay. Looking it up now, there was, a, in 92 and 93, oh, man. 
right around this same time here, the twenty on the twenty eighth of December, nineteen ninety two, twenty nine years ago, was Eddie Marlin and Miss Texas versus Burt Prentice and some woman by the name of Leslie Bellinger. Bellinger. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine that's what's being set up uh, by this uh, angle. I bet that was pretty good. I Miss, mean, Miss, Tex- I Miss Texas is somebody I got. I got a lot of time for Miss Texas. Jacqueline's great. Jacqueline's really an unsung. She she really probably hasn't still gotten her proper due for what she was able to do. Really a person that just kind of came up in the most unfortunate time period. Yeah, he, he would have been. Uh, she would have been. She would have been. A, like a, a current Jacqueline. You'd have figured at least you've got like a beyond wrestling push. Oh, sure. I mean, Jacqueline was so talented and so good at kind of unquestioningly being put into angles with men. Yeah. And she wasn't very big, but she projected very uh, credibility very well. Yeah, she really did look like. I mean, that was what was so dumb about Disco Inferno getting pissed off that he would have to do a job towards like, <laughs> come on, man, in a real fight. Yeah. And it I looked mean, great. In a I real mean, fight. Like, if it turned out backstage that Jacqueline was mad about that and decided she wanted to fight Disco Inferno, <laughs> like, who would, I mean, you would 100% assume that Disco Inferno was going to get the shit kicked out of him. By yeah, Texas. man. And, and I still have, you know, when China was starting to, do offense to guys and she wasn't great at it you know it a lot of it looked really bad Jacqueline was small but no part whenever she would throw us throw a vertical suplex on disco inferno no part of it looked unbelievable no I 100% I 100% believe that she would win a fist fight with disco inferno I don't I don't see any reason there, to there, doubt that. there are probably a dozen or so WCW wrestlers of that period who would lose maybe more than that who would lose a fight to to jackal. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll I'll have to go through a f- full list of. Uh, lucky for you, I'm going to be going through 1997 WCW. Yeah, you're writing a book on this. Maybe you should have an entire chapter on guys in that period who would lose. Legitimate fights to Miss Jacqueline. This is great. Well, the book is going to have a lot of ranked bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, there I mean, we go. A lot of it, and so that is just. I mean, I I am willing to rank every. I mean, we're going to rank. I'm going to be ranking T-shirts on people in the crowd. I'm going to be ranking individual punches. I mean, no no reason why I shouldn't come up with ten men that Jacqueline would have beat in an actual fight. The roster has. You know, 150 people on. Yeah, I mean, there's probably just a bunch of muscled up dudes that she she could just uh, out strategize. Some of these guys in in this era of WCW not very pliable. You know, there's a lot of muscle heads that coming out of the power plant that I'm yeah. sure she could do a number on. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, I can't discount any of the luchadors. Those guys are all tough motherfuckers, even though they're closer in size to Jacqueline. Right. But I don't know if I could give, you know, maybe Rey Mysterio. That's the easy one. You know, go for the tiniest guy in the Fed. Hoovy. But I don't know. No, but Hoovy. I would love to see Jacqueline fight Hoovy, man. That sounds fucking crazy. Yeah, that'd be incredible. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it, it would end badly. It would be terrible for an ending, but oh my God. That would, that would be one of, that would be 
that would that would have made the world star site before world star <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that would have been it uh i'll have to go look through the roster see who jacqueline could beat but uh man this this 1998 era, era memphis I'm glad we got the arena footage that we did, and I'm glad this match of all the different matches that could have gotten highlighted, of all the different matches. Who knows? I, I should have looked what else was on that card right. that they showed the uh, the Tommy Gilbert Eddie Marlin match. You know, I know they weren't going to be showing Brickhouse Brown Tom Brandy, but uh, there was a Kurt Hennig Lawler stretcher match in the main event, and they showed the Cowboy Boot match. That's probably pretty good. Yeah, that's probably okay. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Travis and Jeff Jarrett versus Doug Gilbert and Gary Young. The other match that was set up with this angle. Yeah, I bet that's pretty good. Yeah, this is this is all probably pretty cool. <laughs> Tommy Gilbert was wrestling in 1999. Yeah, I mean, I, I we've reviewed on the site uh, at least a couple of his matches from the, uh, the Eddie Gilbert memorials. Do we ever do his... <laughs> Ian Rotten singles? No, I don't know if that's on tape. If it is, is that on IWTV? I'm not sure. I saw that. It's like a Ian Tommy singles match, right? Yeah. No, there was a there's a boring ass Tommy Gilbert Dory Funk match from the from the next years. Yeah, that was kind of boring. <laughs> but what's great is on that show there was a Doug Gilbert Terry Funk chain match. And Doug Gilbert looks so crazy that there are moments where Terry Funk actually seems like worried <laughs> about what Doug Gilbert was going to do to him. And this this kind of this got to just sum up who Tommy Gilbert is as a man. I love it. This is on a memorial for his, you know, his star son. And as Doug Gilbert is just brawling with Terry through the crowd, Tommy Gilbert just comes out from the back to continue fighting Dory Funk out of nowhere in the match. Like, Dory Funk wasn't getting involved. He was just out there. Like, can you imagine looking as uncool as Dory Funk once you hit the late, once you hit your, like, 60s? I hope I don't look that uncool. What an uncool motherfucker with his bad thinning hair that was always wearing, like, a Lexus dealership baseball hat. Or some bullshit old man hat that you don't know where your grandpa got that hat. <laughs> Dory Bunk was always wearing, like he's wearing a hat like he toured a decommissioned aircraft carrier or some shit. Like just the dumbest hats on this guy. And Dory was out there at ringside cheering on Terry wearing like sweat shorts. It's like, Jesus, Dory. And here comes Tommy Gilbert out from the back in his red underwear. Just red briefs. It starts just punching Dory Funk around the building. And I love this moment. And it's also just, God, pro wrestling is fucked. I want to know what's going through the eyes of Mrs. Gilbert. Tommy Gilbert's wife is there at the at the merchandise stand. Right. And Tommy Gilbert is brawling in his underwear with an, another old man five feet away from her. And she's there keeping guard over Eddie Gilbert's ring jacket that they're going to raffle off later. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's just a pro wrestling family right there. Yeah, so the 1997 Eddie Gilbert, it's on high spots. Okay. Uh, that Ian Tommy. Uh, it's got a... There's got a Dan Severn, Dory Funk Jr. matches on this too. 
Okay. Uh, I know you're a, you're a Severn guy. I love Severn, man. Buddy Landell Dougie. you immediately disassociate yourself from Severn because it's specifically talking about a Severn Dory Funk band. Yeah, that's probably not very good. Uh, well, you know Dan Severn, the guy that you like. Uh, <laughs> I saw a Flash Funk Ace Darlings on this show. Gold Dust versus Derek Domino. This is, a, this is a New Jersey uh, Eddie Gilbert Memorial. Wow, pretty... I didn't know they ran uh, the Eddie Eddie Gilbert Memorials as a. Re- so this is this is memorializing the, the part of his career that led to his death. Right. <laughs> there's a there's a ninety eight Eddie Gilbert Memorial at IBM Mid South. Um, that's got a Buddy Landell Tommy Gilbert match. And a main event of Dougie and Dutch Mantel against St- Dan Severn and Terry Gordy. We, uh, <laughs> right. I, on- I only knew this because I think your memory is the same as me. We wrote up that tag like five or six years ago. No, we didn't. I've never seen I that s- match. <laughs> I swear to you, man. I think it was right around this time, too. I think it got uploaded around Christmas. We might have even posted that match on Christmas, but it's five or six years old at this point. No, we've never seen. We've never. I've never watched that match. I got. I got to confirm now. I don't want to think. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was Gordy, right? Gordy and uh, Gordy and Severn. Yeah. All right. I'm All right. Good. I'm looking. I'm. I'm pretty. We got a lot, man. We've written up a lot of dumb stuff, dude. Yeah, we sure. We've been have. doing this for a while. We sure Here have. December twenty fourth, twenty fifteen. Do we both write it, or was this something you just did? Nope, both of us. What do we say about it? <laughs> is it good? Oh yeah, it's it's great. We uh, we thanked for the Christmas gift. We talked about. Uh, let's see. You said Gordy and Severin would have made a great two thousand miracle violence connection. Okay. And you said uh, you love shooting gallery Memphis period of IWA Mid South more than uh, than Rock House Ring of Honor period. <laughs> Funny joke. That's a good one. (laughs) You make fun of, oh, you'll remember this part. Because this was fucking, I remember talking on the phone with you about this. When Dan Severin suplexes Kenny Bolin. Dan Dan Severin throws. I do not remember this. Oh, man. Sounds like. (laughs) It's an under 10 minute match. Shit. It's great. There we go. I think we got to revisit it. We'll rewrite it and repost it. <laughs> no, Doug, Doug hits a big blade job. It's awesome. It's like this uh, Eddie Marlin. It's like eight or nine minutes long. It's just old dudes fighting. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. On that note, <laughs> <laughs> Eric, uh, plug stuff. Plug stuff, jeez. Well, like, don't need to don't need to plug Saguna Kaida. Listen to my podcast. I do a movie podcast and have a really fun time doing so. Uh, it's called So It's Come to This, a movie podcast. It's with my boy Charlie. We are now over a hundred and thirty episodes in. That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. We put out an episode a week. Uh, I didn't think we'd keep up the schedule, but uh, you know. Segunda Caida has given me the determination to keep up with a pretty decent schedule of, uh, you know, providing content until I die. That's what we do now. We provide content. 
Yeah. But yeah, we talk about movies. We talk about a lot of horror movies, but we are not a horror movie strictly podcast. Uh, we just love movies, man. I don't write about movies, but I can talk a lot about movies. I write about wrestling. I talk about wrestling. I love talking movies. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then obviously, Saguna Kaeda, you're on Twitter. At Saguna Kaeda, right? At Saguna. Uh, when, <laughs> well, years ago, when <laughs> sometimes I think about that, because years ago, neither of us were very, I wasn't active at all on Twitter, and you were not either. But you had at least grabbed the Saguna Kaeda name. Oh, who right. knows? That's what, right. Who knows? Right. That's my Twitter. That's my Twitter account that you've been using it is for your like. <laughs> but then you weren't using it, and I wanted a Twitter, and I was suddenly unemployed. So I said, "Oh well, this seems like the right time to uh, start tweet." So I just kind of, uh, I think, logged in and just took it over one day. Yeah. Okay. I'm on. You got, I, you I got actually name am, recognition. You got name Phil Schneider recognition. Yeah. I need the uh, I need the Segunda Kaida name. I have to do Phil A. Schneider. I think Phil Schneider was taken because of the guy who got murdered by the aliens. No, murdered by the <laughs> government because of the aliens. Um, well, which, you know, there's no harm in being the uh, the second most famous Phil Schneider. Yeah, um, I think there was also a Phil Schneider that got married uh, to. That actress who was in Boys Don't Cry. Chloe um, Seveny? No. Hilary Swank? Hilary Swank. I think Hilary Swank married a Phil Schneider at one point. So maybe the third she most. She married famous. a Chad Mitchell. Maybe. Am I wrong about that? What, what, was, the, uh, what was the first name on uh, Pat Harrington on One Day at a Time? I don't think it was Phil. <laughs> he was just uh, Schneider? Yeah. Yeah, Phil. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, uh... Married to currently married to a guy named Philip Schneider. No oh, relation. It was Rob Lowe's brother she was married to before, right? Yeah. Chad. I guess. Lowe? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just <laughs> know this. Yo, you don't know. You're suddenly too <laughs> good to know who Hillary Strike's married to. I mean, I only know she's married to this guy because we have the same name. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just Google your name and look who else has it? Well, I'm trying to see who's writing about the book, who's Chad writing about Lowe's the podcast. Chad Lowe's a famous guy. Chad yeah. Lowe was in stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, you and I both write about a lot of wrestling. If I, it'd be weird if somebody was, was listening to Way of the Blade and was not a Segunda Kaida reader. I mean, there might be some, right? I mean, I think there's people who maybe got through the got through the got to this podcast through other, you know, through a guest I had or bought the book and didn't know about the <laughs> blog. Buy my book; it's on Amazon. Um, some point in 2023 or 2024, Eric's going to put out a book on WCW. <laughs> yeah, the first, hopefully, of many. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be, uh, it's a lot of work, and it's it's going to be a lot of writing, and this thing's going to spiral out of control, and I am going to let it spiral out of control. Right. Okay. I want this, I want this to be the most uh, jam-packed, information-filled book about WCW ever. It's like, it's like that. It's like a William T. Volman novel. So <laughs> fucking about WCW. Uh, so keep an eye out of that in the next two or three years. I got. Like, yeah. I'm working I'll be on. on I'm the working podcast at least a few more times yeah. before the book's out. Yeah. So <laughs> next time there'll be some progress report on on the book. Yeah. I got a. I got. Uh, I got to work on another book. I got this book. I, I might have some stuff for the more stuff for the rigor coming out. Keep your eyes peeled on that in twenty. 22 uh and we'll be, we'll be back next week with another episode of way of the blade